Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. In my travels, one of the questions I'm most often asked is, what do we have to do to get a breakthrough in ministry? I believe it is not the will of God that we have small, struggling churches. I believe that God's destiny for our congregations is growth. I believe God's destiny for our churches is impact in reaching large numbers of people. And this is an honest and a sincere question and is asked uh, seeking to find some kind of clue that they might personally appropriate of how they can get a breakthrough in their ministries. Everything that God is involved in is destined to grow. It's in nature. When God is involved, that means that there is going to be the dynamics that will be touched and released that will bring forth the growth and increase, multiplication, And obviously there are many factors that are involved, but I want to point out to you from 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15, a very uh, familiar passage of Scripture, a breakthrough in ministry. Verse 15, 1 Kings 19. Then the Lord said to him, this is Elijah, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, And when you arrive, anoint Hazel as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazel, Jehu, Jehu was killed. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved unto me 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12. Then Elijah passed by him, threw his mantle on him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said... Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, and slaughtered them, and boiled their flesh using the oxen's uh, equipment, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Breakthrough. In ministry. If you're going to have a breakthrough in ministry tonight, you're going to have to have 
a visitation from God. Now, Prescott is not something that I conceived. It's not something that I planned. It was something that God did. It took several years for me to even figure out what it was that God was doing. It was contrary to my training. It was contrary to my orientation. But it clearly was something that I stepped into the purpose of God. And in the book of Isaiah chapter 45, we get a tremendous insight into the working of God. Verse 1 speaks of a man whose name is Cyrus. And it says, thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. Verse 5 says, I've even called you by your name. I've named you, though you have not known me. 150 years before Cyrus was born, 200 years before he gave the decree to return and restore the temple in Jerusalem out of uh, the uh, exile, God spoke these words, named him by name, had an ordained, ordained purpose for him, and already had a plan and a purpose in place and that was that he was going to visit this man and fulfill his purpose in eternity. What we're dealing with is a sacred dimension of God. We are going to focus upon Elisha, and the Bible lets us understand clearly that Elisha was anointed for a mission. In 1 Kings 19, verse 19, in Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Mahola, you shall anoint. So he departed from there, and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plying with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12. Then Elisha passed by him and threw his mantle on him. You see, God's call is often contradictory to the elements of and the factors that are at hand. This has to do with people, and this has to do with places. I want to read to you out of the New Testament Paul's statement in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, and not many mighty, not many noble are called. I want you to turn to the right and look at the person sitting next to you. Now I want you to turn to the left and look at the person that's sitting next to you. Now I want you to think about the words that I've just read from the Word of God and say, you're not noble and you're not mighty. Because if we're going to believe God, then this is exactly what we're dealing with. Can you say amen? Beginning from the back of the tent including this platform, we have to consider that this is what is involved. He set his hand upon Moses. Moses, the Bible says, was on the backside of the desert. That does not mean he was in a resort down in Scottsdale. When it says he's on the backside of the desert, it's talking about a desolate 
a far away from civilization place where a man was herding sheep and God, lady's hand, gave him a visitation from heaven and called him to a divine mission and a purpose. The Bible says Amos was an itinerant fruit picker. The Bible tells us that Jephthah was an illegitimate outcast who was an exile. The Bible is filled with a record of people exactly like you and I, and these people are people who God set his hand upon, and he gave them a visitation from heaven. If you're going to have a breakthrough, I want to tell you tonight, you are going to have to have a visitation from God. I read a quote years ago. This quote says, Jesus took a ragtag, bobtail group of men, lowly fishermen, tax collectors, zealous revolutionaries, and formed them into an army that turned the world upside down. So when we begin to ponder this business of a visitation from God, this place is filled with people who at one time were hippies. They at one time were druggies. They at one time were uh, uh, dropouts from society. The philosophy was to, uh, to uh, turn on, tune in, and drop out. These were not church kids. These were kids that were against the family. They were against society. They were against morals. And they were not church kids. They were Woodstock Productions. This was their philosophy. Uh, they were not church kids. With but few exceptions, uh, I want to tell you tonight, uh, and uh, one of these is Asbury Seminary, uh, a, a seminary. One of these was a Haystack Five, and a few other little spots. Uh, almost without exceptions, uh, the moving of God uh, and the engine for revival that God uses uh, are people who are converts. Uh, these are the engine for revival. As a matter of fact, it has been my experience in pastoring that the worst hindrances to the move of God and the work of God are religious kids that are raised in church, unconverted, who make it their business to rip off new converts. This is a small town. This town, when I came to it, was 13,000 and 500 people, and it is in a remote location. I've had people this week who have come, and they're astonished at this city. They were expecting a major megapolis. They were expecting all kinds of things, but this is a small town that God visited. Can you say amen? God visited. No genius of human personality, but God moved. Not a powerful wage base, but God visited them. Jesus came from Nazareth, and one of the statements is made over and over, Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth was a small, obscure village in Palestine, and that small place of obscurity was a place where God visited and from that place, uh, God uh, changed uh, the world. Doesn't matter tonight where you are. It does not matter whether you're in a large city or a small city. It does not matter how much talent or ability that you have. It doesn't, all the factors you can sweep aside, uh, God uh, must visit uh, 
And when God chooses to visit it, we have the dynamics for a breakthrough of ministry. And without the God factor, we're not going to have anything else but religious services. Can you say, man, we're going to have religious calisthenics, a group of people gathered together, saying religious things, singing religious songs, and doing religious things, but you're not going to have a breakthrough, which is absolutely what we're going to have. Secondly, I want to talk to you uh, about the formative influence uh, that brings to pass uh, workers. Now, there are invisible factors uh, that are at work. How can you catalog tonight uh, the elements uh, that are linked to eternity? Paul reaches out uh, in Romans 11, just kind of uh, uh, touches a little of this, and he says these words, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? Now, as Paul states those words, he's understanding and he's being honest with the formative forces that shape, and he links the present into eternity, and he makes us understand that God is shaping and God is forming according to his purpose. You know, tonight, this thing's not about you. It's not about me. Can you say amen? You know, many people are so uh, so self-obsessed uh, that their entire life is living, uh, is lived, uh, and uh, uh, it's all about them. But I want to tell you that this Bible is not about you. That doesn't mean that God doesn't care for you. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care for individuals. But this is not about you. This is about God. God has a purpose. In the book of Acts 15 and verse 18, says, Known to God from eternity are all uh, his works. What are the factors tonight uh, that shaped a George Washington? What are the factors that shaped uh, an Abraham Lincoln? What are the factors that shaped uh, a Winston Churchill? These are men that come to our mind uh, powerful, uh, had a, a, a powerful effect upon their generation that is still ringing out as we're sitting in this building what are the factors uh, that shaped these men? We read uh, that they stepped up to the plate uh, in a certain period of time, uh, and we read of their accomplishments. We acknowledge, uh, uh, but what invisible forces was it uh, that shaped these men uh, and formed uh, their characters? I believe uh, that as we ponder this for a moment, uh, the, formative, uh, the formative influences uh, that shape uh, a person uh, is the choices they make at the crossroads of life. Think with me for a moment. Ponder that for a moment. We read about these men and many others that we could use that are, have been powerful and stepped on the stage of society and the world we live in and shaped it for good, even heroic exploits. But what were the formative influence, I believe tonight, it's the choices they made in the crossroads of life. There are three factors that we need to ponder for a moment. One of these is priority. The other is timing. 
and the other is relationships. Here in this text we have in 1 Kings 19 verse 20, and he left the oxen and he ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? So here we have a dynamic. This dynamic is a moving of God. A man of God passes by him. That man of God casts a mantle upon him. He runs after him and says, uh, uh, please wait and, and uh, let me uh, 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 say goodbye to my mother and my father. And the man of God says, I didn't do anything to you. I didn't call you. You settle that with God, not with me. It's very interesting, the uh, viewpoint that many people have. You know, I've, I've uh, all kinds of things said about me. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I've had people, yeah, Mitchell, he's hard-nosed, you know, he dominated my life, you know. Yeah, I kept you out of prison. I kept you from blowing your mind with acid. I've, I've dominated you. I've ruined your whole life. I mean, you could have been famous in San Quentin if it hadn't been for me. But I did, did, do not dominate your life, neither do I call a man to ministry. A calling comes from God. There's a clear-cut principle that begins to emerge here because I said we're dealing with priority, we're dealing with timing, and we're dealing with relationships, and the choices that are made in those critical crossroads of life are going to determine whether you're going to have a breakthrough or whether you are not. Clear-cut is a principle and that principle is that small word, now. Listen to 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. For he says, in acceptable time, I've heard you. And in the day of salvation, I've helped you. Behold, now is the time, accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You know, many people intend to give themselves to God's work, but not just right now. And as we begin to look at this, the old words come back, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We could substitute the road to hell is paved with procrastination. And so the key word is now. In Deuteronomy 30, in verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've set before you life and death, a blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants uh, may uh, live. How many of the pages of history could be filled uh, with people who've made the wrong choices uh, in priority, in timing, in relationships uh, that have sealed their fate uh, and their destiny and have prevented them uh, from having uh, a breakthrough? We don't know the name. Of the, uh, of the rich young ruler that Jesus encountered uh, and had that conversation with. 
We don't know the purpose that God may have had for him. It's not written down in Scripture. We don't know the ministry that may have had his name upon it. But whatever it was, was lost forever because in the crossroads of life, he made a decision. He might have been thinking to himself, I'm going to think this over. Maybe later I'm going to do this. But you see, the kingdom of God is always that eternal now. Remember, this is God's choice. It is Elisha's responsibility to respond. In the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 57, if you'll bear with me for the reading of the Bible, I want to spell out to you some of the principles that have to do with priority, timing, and relationship. Now it happened as they journeyed, Luke 9, verse 57, on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. And But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell to my house. But Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Or in other words, he said, You're going to have to make a choice. That choice has to do with money and material substance. That choice has to do with the relationships of life. And it has to do with timing and Hear the choice tonight uh, is before you and I as we sit in this tent, uh, in this place. How many of the pages of history could be filled uh, with people that in the crucial time of the crossroads of life, just like you and I are sitting in this tent tonight, uh, have lost their destiny because they would not choose? In the book of John, chapter 6, the Bible says that Jesus put before the multitudes who were following him the clear-cut choice. As he said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life. And the Bible says that many from that moment went back. Not only did they cease following him, but they ceased to be disciples and lost their destiny. I was reading just uh, it's probably a month ago in one of the publications I get about Johnny Cash. Now, they've just made a movie about Johnny Cash. It's called The Man in Black. I want to share with you a few words from that article. This is a man that's writing a resume about his life, and I believe he's written a book on his life. Let me quote. In fact, this man says... Johnny Cash was brought up as a Christian. He retained his Christian beliefs throughout his life. At the point where he came to the end of the first period of drug addiction, the most pertinent statement he made about how he felt and what his condition was uh, is that he was totally separated from God. We're not, mind you, talking about Madonna's God or some amorphous great spirit. Mr. Cash was a born-again Christian who attended crusades with evangelist Billy Graham. He co-wrote and narrated 
1973 movie, The Gospel Road, about the life of Christ. He wrote a novel in 1986, A Man in White, about the Apostle Paul. Listen. He considered becoming a full-time evangelist until Mr. Graham convinced him he'd be a more effective spokesman as a popular musician. Think with me for a moment about the crossroads of life. In behind the scenes, I happen to know that Johnny Cash did want to cash in his career. He wanted to quit singing in Las Vegas. He wanted to give totally his life to the minister of the gospel. But when he began to talk to the people that he had contracts with in Las Vegas, uh, they said, if we release you, you will have to pay back to us $12 million. Johnny Cash had $12 million. How many people in the crucial moments of life Undoubtedly, Johnny Cash was feeling the touch of God and the sincerity of his call. He was pondering in the crucial moments of life. Remember, I'm talking about priority. I'm talking about timing. I'm talking about relationship. And who knows, but in that crucial moment of life, a man that he respected said, you become more powerful going on as an entertainer and a musician, but I'm sorry to say that was not so. You see, as you're sitting here tonight, you may not be Johnny Cash. You may not have $12 million you have to pay back, but this evening you're wrestling with the issues of life. You're at the crossroads of life. You're making a decision this week about priority, about timing, and about relationships. What is up, Sermon Podcast listeners? This is Pastor Adam from the Virginia Beach Potter's House. Wanted to say thank you again for listening to this podcast. We hope that you have been enjoying the new daily podcast format. We have been doing our best to post a daily podcast sermon, uh, either from our church or from around the fellowship. We want to ask a couple of favors of you, if you don't mind. First of all, if you are listening to this, make sure that you are subscribed. There's a lot of people who are listening to these and navigating to them uh, every single day, uh, but it would be better for you and a whole lot better for us if you make sure that you are subscribed so that you get daily sermons de- delivered directly to your phone or your computer. Uh, The next thing I want to ask you to do is make sure that you leave us a review. We want to ask you, if you're enjoying the daily podcast, fellowship sermons from around the world, please, please go and uh, give us a rating, give us five stars. Uh, And if you enjoy this, we want to ask you to please share this. No doubt there's people in your church that would enjoy listening to a daily sermon from around the fellowship. The third big thing I want to ask you to do is I want to talk to the sound booth guy in your church. And I believe that there are some treasure trove sermons out there. We've built a platform that uh, I believe 
we could use for the kingdom. And no doubt that there are some of you, you know somebody who knows somebody who's got about 10,000 sermons in the sound booth that they've been sitting on. Or, or maybe you've got a sermon that you think uh, would be great to share on this sermon podcast. We want to hear from you. We want to we want to get our hands on those uh, on those sermons so that we can publish them and we can get them out to the rest of our fellowship. So those are my big three requests. Uh, we want to say thank you again for listening. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Thanks a lot, guys. You see, the rite of passage for a breakthrough in your ministry is clearly noted in the Bible that you will give up all, you will forsake all. And Jesus said, unless you're willing to give up all and forsake all, you cannot be my disciple. A double portion of the Spirit was waiting for Elisha. It was not that moment. It was not that moment in time. He did not see what uh, God had for him in the future. He did not see the possibilities. Uh, But in that moment, when he said to Elijah, Please, let me go say goodbye to my family. And the prophet said to him, Don't talk to me. I didn't call you. You talked to God. In the moment that he made that decision that he was going to forsake all, took the instruments of the oxen, used them to build the fire, slew the oxen, sacrificed it to God. In that moment that he made that decision, it put him on the pathway for the double portion of the Spirit of God that he was to receive because the rite of passage into breakthrough rests in the choices that you're going to make at the crossroads of life. This brings me tonight to emphasize some Bible teaching. See, these stories in the Bible are not random stories that are there. Paul, as a matter of fact, said these things that are told in the Scripture are told for our examples so that they can instruct us And there's a potent issue that is involved in this text. It has to do with livelihood, career, and calling. The most crucial element in our fellowship tonight, uh, the most crucial factor towards a breakthrough of ministry in our fellowship for most of the pastors in our fellowship uh, lays right at this point. uh, Livelihood, career, and calling. The desperate need tonight is pastors that will move towards God, make a dedication and discipline and sacrifice to full-time pastoring. We have many fine men and women. We have many fine workers. They are sincere in their heart. Listen to me carefully. The crucial factor between simply marking time and simply doing religious things, uh, saying religious things, making religious exercise, and a breakthrough rests in you 
making the sacrifice uh, and the dedication it's going to take uh, for you to be a full-time pastor. Getting awful quiet in here. Don't be shout me down now. Added to that uh, are the pastors that are full-time, but they're not contending. They're giving their time for sports. They're giving their time for recreation. They're giving their time for entertainment. They're giving their time for materialism. They're giving their time for leisure. And they may be full-time, but they'll never break through because they're content simply to be a pastor make a living. God help us in the spiritual uh, gravestone that we leave behind, that on that, the defining thing that's going to be written, he made a living. Oh, God, help us tonight. Can you say amen? Help us tonight that we have men and women that will come to grips with the issue of the hour and will give themselves to a breakthrough for ministry. And the example is very clear. Elisha saw the issue. 1 Kings 19, verse 21. So Elisha turned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment, gave it to the people they ate. Then he rose and followed Elijah and became his servant. You see, it takes a total consecration tonight uh, to fulfill the ministry that God has called you to perform. And before you're going to be secure, before you're going to have all the answers, I, I know several of you are sitting here, many of you are sitting here tonight and said, as soon as I uh, get enough that I can be uh, uh, positive that everything can be taken care of, then I'm going to go full time. Don't wait, waste your time because it's never going to happen. The Bible has a clarion call. Listen to Colossians 4.17. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you've received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Think about that for a moment. What was it tonight... In Archippus' life, uh, what was he dabbling in that uh, compelled the apostle to write to him and say to him, Archippus, take heed to the ministry that God has given you that you fulfill it. What was he dabbling in? It surely was doing something. Can you say amen? That verse of Scripture is not just simply there because he was going pedal to the metal, full bore, and... Uh, this uh, uh, apostle just writes to him and wants to make him feel uncomfortable, you know, job him a little bit. He wasn't doing what he should have been doing. That's why that verse of Scripture is in there. Uh, and there are many pastors, uh, some of our finest pastors uh, that are uh, uh, pastoring out, uh, they uh, began their career as sanitation engineers. You know what that is? It's a garbo. Back before the days of mechanized garbage trucks, they rode on the back, and they're the ones that put the garbage in the truck. They began their career that way. We have the illustrious pastor, Tom Paine. That was the beginning of his call to fame. Jeff Day, who you heard from. We have many pastors. This is, what, this is how they began life. 
They could have gone to New York. They could have gone to wherever pit that they came from and uh, no doubt have done fine in career, but they had a calling upon their lives. And that same willingness to take whatever they could do to make a living was something that kept moving them forward in ministry, and they are today fulfilling the will of God. Kevin Foley, you may have heard, Kevin Foley came to us, a, a um, seminarian from Gordon Cornwall Seminary back in Massachusetts, one of those elite institutions. Uh, he was an educated young man. Uh, he uh, had a, a teacher's certification. All he would have had to do was go one semester in Arizona, and he could have got a well-paid job, uh, but there were better things that Kevin wanted. Uh, he wanted to be manager of McDonald's uh, because uh, he could make probably $4 and a quarter an hour there. That was the path that put him uh, in full-time ministry. He was willing to sacrifice uh, the present remuneration and reward for the future of his ministry. I had a pastor call me sometime last year. He said, Pastor, I can get a job at the college. This man's on full support. His church was supporting him, but it didn't furnish medical benefits for him. And he said, I could get a job at the college and uh, I could work uh, uh, part-time and I could have medical uh, benefits. What do you think? Well, he called the wrong guy. You know, just... Uh... <laughs> I said, well, you might be able to do that, but it would be a very bad example for your congregation and it computes out uh, later on uh, down the road. I was sitting at a conference recently, and as I'm sitting, uh, we were uh, we were uh, having a meal after the service, and I uh, and I had one of the young pastors uh, say to me, Pastor Mitchell, what do we have to do to get a breakthrough? Now, this young man was about 80 pounds overweight. Immediately, the thought came to me, you could try quitting eating so much to start with. You want to hear my fat sermon? So, <laughs> he is at one business that he runs, another that his wife runs. He's 80 pounds overweight. He's caught up in materialism. He's a good young man. He's not evil. I'm not talking about evil people. He's a good guy. But you're not going to get a breakthrough in ministry and pursue materialism. The two do not come together. This is the choice that you're going to have to make. Priority, timing, and relationships. Sometimes we have the idea that uh, uh, maybe, maybe the Mormons are right. We don't need any paid ministry. We all keep our jobs and our career. And, uh, and uh, you know, the Mormons, they say that there should not be any paid ministry. They don't believe that ministers ought to be paid. But God does. In the Bible, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians nine fourteen, even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 5, 17, let the pastors who rule well be counted worthy of double honor or support or twice what they may, especially those who labor in the word 
and doctrine. God intends that his pastors will be supported from the ministry. But having said that, you will never have a breakthrough in ministry until you're going to give it all. That's a choice that you're going to have to make. You're going to have to drive an older car. You're going to have to live at a lower standard of living. I drove a 10-year-old car, lived in a crummy apartment, uh, kept out of debt, uh, worked one day a week, uh, gave myself to ministry, lived in a hovel, uh, and uh, put myself uh, in the place where God uh, could move upon me uh, and uh, made that sacrifice. Uh, great, that's wonderful. How long did that take? Three months? No, it took 10 years. Oh, well, you know, I. <laughs> Uh, you're, gonna, you're talking about that. Why well, forget it? What do you want? Do you want to break through ministry? Or do you want to be satisfied? You're not going to be catapulted to fame. Some of you are going to make decisions tonight. There are going to be men that are going to make decisions tonight. And the Holy Spirit's already been dealing with you about this. The testimonies tonight, already before not even knowing what I'm going to preach on, came right down this line. Uh, and some of you are going to make decisions tonight. And you're not going to get up from this altar, make those steps that are necessary to sacrifice, uh, and suddenly you're going to be catapulted to ministry and make a tremendous impact. Ten years. Let me. We got a pastor. He's probably here tonight. I won't name his name, but uh, he called me some time ago, and I I got this uh, uh, back. And uh, he, you know, this guy's this guy's making money. How many of you know you can make money today? Did you know that you can make a lot of money? This guy's making eighty grand a year plumbing. You know, did you did you what? Say where's that at? It's California. Good man, and uh, and getting some some results in ministry. Uh, but in the conversation uh, uh, with me, I I challenge just like I'm challenging you tonight. You're not going to have a breakthrough in ministry and give yourself to money. And so he's talking to somebody after he made that decision, and he says, I talked to Pastor Mitchell, and he busted my job. <laughs> That's it. I'm the Terminator. The reason I can talk to you like this is I have done it. Let me read a little history to you. Hebrews 11, 33 and 34. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, Turn to flight the armies of the alien. Hallelujah! Isn't that wonderful? Well, let's read a little bit more. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. That's the other part of the story. You see, today, we read that uh, they wandered... Uh, they're about the earth in the SUVs. They could only own one home that only had two bedrooms 
and one and a half baths. They only could eat it out back once a week. Only four times a week they could go to four bucks and get coffee. On a serious note tonight, the world's before us. Doors are open. God's looking for people who give themselves for a breakthrough. What is your yoke of oxen tonight? What is your yoke of oxen tonight? Do you hear it all the time? And I'm sure that there's a some semblance of sincerity in it, but let's be honest tonight. I want to break through. Do you really? Will you lay hold of priority, timing, and relationships to bring this to pass? What is your yoke of oxen? Is it the position that you hold? Is it the church that you pastor tonight? Is it the city that you live in? See, right now while I'm talking, there are men that are sitting here and say, well, if, uh, if God would show me uh, what, he, what the plan for my life is, uh, then uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll lay it all on the altar. No, uh, you've got it backwards. If you sacrifice your life for his will and say God whatever it is then he will show you his will he's not going to lay out for you the blueprints until you first say God here it is everything I have everything I am everything I do everything I own everything I want to be everything I enjoy I lay it before you Lord you show me what your will is and that's the path to breakthrough I want every head bowed every eye closed for a moment we thank you again for listening do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox make sure to sign up at our website vbph.org if this message has been a blessing to you would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.